0: Hey, everybody, this is Dash, and you are now tuned into the Sounds of Imperfect Dads, a parenting podcast. Though, by those sounders, you can tell that this is not one of our regular episodes. This is bonus content. It is our first interview with a dad who we have introduced into our Seahorse Society. What is the Seahorse Society, you ask? Well, it's a group of dads that do creative or different things with their kids. And in talking to them and sharing those conversations with you, our hope is that you can find some kind of inspiration, an idea, something that you can put in your parenting toolkit that will help you to be a more engaged parent. Why do we call it the Seahorse Society? Well, that's because seahorses are unique, they are different. They are the only species that we know of where the dads carry the kids in pregnancy and give birth to them. Now. We're not saying that playing with your kids is akin to carrying them, being pregnant with them, and giving birth to them. We are also not saying that passing a kidney stone is anywhere near as painful to giving birth to a child. So don't slander us with that nonsense. We don't want it. All we're saying is sometimes it's good to pay attention to those things that are different. And when we do that, maybe we can figure out how to do what we do just a little bit better show a little bit more commitment to our art and our craft just a reminder that this episode is not going to follow our normal format so if you're looking for the bants or if you're looking for the nonsense that usually goes along with some of our other interviews feel free to check out one of our regularly scheduled episodes we now present to you the first member of our seahorse society brandon pritchard
1: So I'm here with my friend Brandon, and first of all, congratulations, you are the inaugural member of the Seahorse Society. How does that feel?
2: I'm better, I feel, it feels uh, better than yesterday, I think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. It's, uh, it's all looking up from here, I guess.
2: <laughs> it is, it is. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, I'm pretty, um, I mean, honestly, pretty honored by it. Like, I think it's a, it's a cool thing
1: right? Yeah. Well, you're an elite company. There's literally nobody that has matched you yet. I'm,
2: I'm breaking boundaries.
1: <laughs> there you go. Listen, man, we wanted to hear a little bit more about what you do. For those of you that listen to the show last week, uh, you heard that Brandon um, plays Dungeons and Dragons with his teenage kids. And we just wanted to get the inside scoop straight from the horse's mouth. So Brandon, first of all, how how do you play Dungeons and Dragons? What is it?
2: Have you seen um, Stranger Things? Yeah, yeah. So in you remember Mikey and all the kids? They're in the basement and they're playing a game with a, uh, the gorgon, right? And they're rolling dice and Mike's telling a story and everybody's having fun and using their imaginations. Uh-huh. That's that's basically it. It's a um, a, a a class of game they call a a role-playing game um, where you uh, sort of take like dice of all different shapes and sizes um, and you have a set of rules like you would with Monopoly or whatever, but they're, you know, specifically set. And then there's one person who tells the story and everybody else sort of uses their imagination and um, acts out by describing what they're Uh, characters do um, the sort of solution to whatever the the problem is that the the storyteller
1: presents maybe when you're telling the story uh what does it look like then for you to specifically try to engage your kids in uh you know empathy and team building and ethical formation
2: yeah well it's uh I don't know, sort of interesting. There's a, a small mechanic in the game um called uh, alignment. Uh and it's essentially your uh your your sort of self chosen um moral compass for your for your character. And it's a uh, mm. and at least in the way um D and D is set up, there's kind of a grid that goes with it. And this is getting really technical and I'm gonna just sort of geek out for a minute, but um <laughs> You have like three categories, right? You have good, neutral, and evil. And then, and then there are, uh, three classes within those. So there's like lawful, chaotic, and, um, true, or, um, uh, is that right? Lawful good, chaotic good, neutral good. There's chaotic neutral, lawful neutral, true neutral, lawful good, or lawful evil, chaotic. You get the picture. Anyway, the point is that, like, so, in kind of the the first step in um doing the uh in in this i guess process of ethical development right um or uh uh building empathy with the the kids is um it just starts with character creation uh because as a player you're using your imagination to create a person or a creature um, that doesn't exist and and the whole point of the game is that then you have to play that character according to the way you've created it to live out um its experience in the story so you're automatically set up as a player Um, to move outside yourself and, and kind of, and like, I mean, for all intents and purposes, walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. Mm. Um, So I think that by itself is an enormous stretch for people, right? Um, Because I have to sort of identify how this other person thinks and feels and navigates and makes choices and uh develops relationships and interacts with the world around them at large um and so that is a um is really ultimately by itself sort of the whole point of the exercise um yeah i think so then as a storyteller or as the as the dungeon master my job then is to sort of set the stage for um for my kids who are playing, right? Um, And uh, to present them with choices and opportunities uh, and to kind of constantly check in with them, right? How are you doing? What are you as your character seeing or thinking or experiencing and, and uh, kind of drawing their responses out, right? Um, From them. The, the first couple of times we played, they, um, I don't know, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but um, it's been a process. I'll just say that. It's been a long process to kind of develop our relationship um, as a storyteller and also their dad um, yeah. and them as, the you know, the kids, but also the player characters who are the whole point, uh, really, of this game um, to uh, to sort of develop a, uh, a working relationship, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's been good. In, initially, it was like pulling teeth to get them to sort of explain what it was that they were thinking when they were uh, kind of working through their decisions, right? Like, why yeah. why is it important to you that your character acts in this way? Um, and now it just, it's... Um, It just sort of happens. It's an organic part of the game um, and the experience.
1: Uh, Do you have have a couple of good examples of times that you led your your children as these characters through the story? Um, Can you maybe talk to us about that process?
2: So what sort of got my juices flowing to play the game with the kids was uh, uh, Menachem Cohen had posted this... um, um, this story that uh, a teacher um in some school somewhere in the states who was running uh, kind of a, a little after school group with some kids uh was uh sharing their experience as a, a dungeon master um, with these kids and these kids had built these characters like um like they were built for video games and they um had methodically worked their way through this dungeon in the story and they get to the last, uh, uh, the big bad guy. This is the, the, the pinnacle of the entire event, right? They're going to, the boss level. That's right. They're going to live or die and have a great story or just like be a broken shambles because their characters are dead, you know, um, at the end of it. Um, and so, um, the, the, teacher had fully expected these kids to um to just go in and like fireball and and hack and slash this boss right and um what had ended up happening was they sat down and had like a talk circle you know so there's this like conan the barbarian type character and this like um uh you know um wielding elf and some Gandalf like magic user and they're sitting cross-legged uh, with this like ancient undead king or whatever it is right <laughs> yeah. um, that's supposed to destroy everything and and uh, and they end up having this conversation with this undead king where the characters start to share some of their deepest darkest fears right and and the the kids are talking to this um creature and and like the you know the conan the barbarian is like i act this way because i'm afraid of abandonment and so on and so forth and so the 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 dungeon master the teacher um kind of comes to the conclusion that this is not going to be um your standard cookie cutter Dungeons and Dragons experience and it actually, and then has to change the story and the way the creature reacts. And so the player characters and this nasty boss are, have a sharing circle and kind of come to a shared understanding and the evil spirit that is driving the bad monster to do terrible evil things comes to has an epiphany because of the conversation with the characters and uh, releases all of its anger and then you know transitions into the ether or whatever and so there's no violence or or anything that happens there's just a really touching conversation and opportunity for presence that occurs in this particular story so I found that really inspirational yeah. You know, because uh, my experience in playing Dungeons and Dragons, when I wasn't like dodging the whole, um, you know, it's the devil's game. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. like this is this is uh, entry entry level into Satanism. Yeah. You know, um, kind of the gateway drug into Satanism. Um, I. Uh, um, I would sit with my buddies over this, you know, like every night over the summers, and we'd make new characters. We were always like optimizing these characters to just be able to beat whatever dungeon we were going up against. Um, and so it was not a way that I had played as a kid. So I thought, well, let's, you know, I mean, my kids are brilliant kids. They're, um, they're, man like rich in love and uh, tenderness and presence, you know, when they're not busy being buttholes because they're teenagers.
1: Yeah, Uh, of course.
2: But uh, um, they're like, uh, they're awesome. You know, I I don't have a whole lot of energy for other people's kids, but my kids, I can, you know, I can be with pretty much all day, (laughs) you know? So, uh, but I thought, you know, well, I wonder, they've got great imaginations. So why don't we play? So, um, you know, so I pitched the idea and they're like, yeah, so we, you know, we set up a time, a regular time and, and we sit down together and I spent, um, th- the, uh, pro- th- it was probably three weeks before, between when I had like pitched the idea to the kids and before we actually played the first session where i just spent time talking to them about their characters you Mm -hmm. know like use your imagination about what you think your character might look like like what is your um you know uh, what do you think your character's ultimate goal would be um why does your character go out and adventure uh you know and these are questions like if you buy the books and you you know, the, the rule books and you read the rule books, these are the questions they tell you, like, you should ask these questions, but I was never into that when I was, uh, into this game earlier. Um, like when I first started the game when I was a kid, um, but like with my kids, I was like, well, let's just see what happens, you know? Um, Hmm. yeah. So, so they'd already had pretty good ideas of what their characters were like. And my daughter's a a bit of an artist. And so she drew up everybody's character and they're all really cute comic booky kind of anime style (laughs) characters. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So she's got like this, this, uh, druid who is a half orc, and Benjamin is this kind of blizzard, like dragon, uh, character, um, who is also, who's a paladin. So he, um, runs around in armor with big swords, which is, like, I think what pretty much every 15... No, I'm sorry. Um, which is what I was doing as a 15-year-old boy with my characters. So, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I just, like, just let me make him like uh, Conan the Barbarian and, and we'll go. And then my wife is playing also, and she's playing this uh, tiny um, uh, elf uh, monk that's kind of like um, Aang from Avatar, The Last Airbender, if you're
1: familiar with that series. Like, what were, what was a couple of examples of the, you know, the purposes, the answers to the questions you were asking?
2: Yeah, well, um, so, uh, Benjamin's character, my my son's character, the big, um, lizard that is the sword-swinging, armor-wearing creature. Um, he, uh, he is, uh, very tough on the outside, but inside he's actually a really tender, uh, person, the, uh, the character. And my son is really also, um, he, uh, but anyway, the, the, the character is very tough, um, very frightening to look at, but on the inside is really tender. Um, and so the story that he had come up with, um, for his character was that his character had experienced, um, a really serious loss, um, as a, a, a child. And so his driving purpose, um, is to protect people from loss, from that kind of trauma and tragedy. Um, and, uh, and it's come out in some pretty interesting ways in the game. And I'll talk about that in a second. Um, Hannah's character, um, has, uh, experienced exile. Um, and so her driving purpose, uh, for her character is, um, uh, is justice, um, for, uh, the downtrodden and the excluded. Um, Hmm. so, you know, I mean, right off the bat, right? Like I'm already a super proud parent if this is how... The kids are like, this is how we're going to engage the world, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, You're yeah. like,
1: my work here is done.
2: I, I quit. I, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, exactly. I don't need to go any further. So,
1: so um, did those character creations, did that kind of shape the way that you have planned the story?
2: Um, sort of, yes. Not initially. Initially, I was just presenting them with... Um, puzzles to solve. Uh, So they, you know, go down into a dungeon and they've got to explore a series of rooms essentially going through a maze Um, and there are all sorts of puzzles that open doors and reveal magically a kind of Harry um, Potter-esque moving maze in order to get to um, uh, one particular place. Uh, although, um, that is r- sort of riding under the umbrella of, uh, a, uh, there's a rescue mission, right? They're trying to save somebody, um, but they're, they're also, uh, uh, looking to, um, rid the world of a particular evil. Um, so there's, there's, you know, a lot of sort of D&D tropes, um, they're, they work, um, in terms of setting up the story. So we sort of operate in those, but, um, I will say I've seen it come out in one example, right? Uh, so Benjamin's, uh, uh, his character, um, and his own sort of desire to, um, protect people from a deep loss. Um, most of the, the monsters that, uh, Uh, they run into they're kind of like the old like tolkien um kind of like orcs you know they're all or goblins they're all like bad they're just evil um but we they like it's just sort of um accepted though that they're evil you know so um there's never a, a question like could there be something going on behind this creature that is creating this evilness so that the evil that we're Witnessing, or that we expect from them, is actually a product of uh, their scenario, right? Their their uh, the systems that they live in, or whatever, you know. Um, yeah. So, uh, the 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 group, um, the kids, they end up uh, walking into this room, and there are three creatures in the room, and everybody knows. I know the kids know the creatures know. Um, that the creatures are evil, and um, so uh, there are th- three of these creatures in this room, and um, the kids like just slaughter two of them right off the bat, and they're moving on to like the third. So because it's like a video game, right? Like it doesn't, you know. I mean, in this particular moment, in the heat of the, uh, in the height of sort of the passion of the moment, they're they just um step into the mechanics right and they and they um and they do it well i sort of decided that i was going to sort of throw them for a loop and the third creature um is frozen in fear and is shaking right and uh looking around with wide eyes and um it, it 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 can't move it can't escape and it's just witnessed its two partners um, get absolutely obliterated by these by these giant creatures that came in through the door, and so yeah. ben, Benjamin, as a as a kid, he he actually he starts to cry as as he as like the weight of what they just did um, sort of lands on him. And he's suddenly juxtaposed, right? And in and, and one moment for him, he thought he was a champion of good. But he just like walked into a room and killed two creatures without a thought. And here's this third creature paralyzed with fear, not attacking him. Um, it, we all know, like I said, we all know it's bad, but he just starts weeping. And uh, and like the game sort of stops, for a moment while we're trying to figure like what's what's happening so that's like this like curveball that i had thrown like really turned into um like a deeply emotional moment for him and mm. and because he stopped and reevaluated everybody else in the room stopped and reevaluated and the next thing i know he's pulling out food for this creature and he's talking gently to it and he's wrapping it up in a blanket and sort of trying to take it away from the carnage that it had just witnessed and is just apologizing profusely. Um, and they, he and this character end up developing um, a very tight bond. and uh, And he takes it upon himself then to uh, for the rest of the game, protect this creature um, with his body. And it puts him in some pretty dire circumstances sometimes.
1: Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's, that's wild. wild. <laughs> <laughs> like the last thing you expect someone to do, especially a 15 year old boy. Right. Right. Burst into right. tears. Cause you just, you know, like the weight of it hitting him. Oh, yeah. That's, that's crazy. That's really cool. Yeah. Like, although your D&D experience has been furthering their, uh, creative empathy, uh, it sounds like you did a, a pretty decent job of raising them long before you, uh, long before you sat down at the table with them to play some, some role-playing games. What advice do you have, uh, for new parents or for younger parents of younger children, uh, you know, what do you wish you had known uh, years years ago? I
2: think first, I personally am a um, naturally suspicious person. Uh, we'll we'll say that, I, like I used to joke when we were in seminary, that I'm the poster child for um, postmodernism, um, just in terms of like my uh, automatic tendency towards skepticism Um, and so with that trying to keep this sort of uh, contained I uh, have told both of my kids at various times there's nothing you um, can do have done or are doing that I have not done myself and gotten away with as a warning right so don't don't go yeah. out there and be a moron because I've been a moron for a very long time. Um and uh uh in and, and so my advice would be don't do that. Um I've found uh deeper connection and more ready access to the truth with the kids when I operate from uh, the understanding that they're not doing stuff just to spite me, mm. um, right. If I, if I operate from, um, this, the stance that they're learning as they go and they don't have the benefit of all of my mistakes, um, then, uh, it makes it a much simpler process to connect with them, um, and requires But I will say, though, that it requires a ton of work on my side um, to really sort of prepare my my own posture and heart for
1: that approach. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate you uh, unpacking your your story a little bit more and for uh, just, you know, being a good dad and an example to those of us that are uh, parents of younger children too something to look up to.
2: Thanks if only you knew (laughs) (laughs) i've got you all fooled well you do
1: you do a good job with your finely manicured online presence right
2: uh yeah that's it that's it yeah (laughs)
1: yeah cool well hey thanks again brandon
0: my pleasure thanks ben being an independent podcast is tough and that you need a certain level of engagement to get more attention from search engines and apps if you like what you hear you could help us tremendously by going to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts and giving us a rating. If you're not sold yet, give us a couple more episodes to hit our stride. If you still aren't digging us at that point, please email us a 10-page document that outlines everything you would like us to do differently.
1: And maybe you could be our next guest.
0: Or our producer.
1: Imperfect Dads was created by Ben Swihart and Christian Dashiel. We also wrote, produced, and edited this episode. We did everything but the music.
0: Big ups to The Passion Hi-Fi for all of the music on this episode. Check out thepassionhi-fi.com to hear the selection of beats and instrumentals he has available for free and for sale.
1: And thanks for listening.
0: Thanks to our wives for keeping the kids from crying so we could record.
1: Catch you on the flip.